You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NPB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of October 2nd. I'm John Gibson, and with me in the dead of the night, but very much alive, is Jim Allen. What's happening, dude? <laughs> Let's see, dead and alive. What is this? What is the wanted poster or something? It's, it's the Bon Jovi podcast. Yeah, it's a, a bounty out on me or something for something I wrote this week, maybe. Oh well, uh, no, I don't think they'd bother putting a bounty out on it. I think they'd just come get you. <laughs> yikes! Why go through all the paperwork, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I suppose. Yeah, uh, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Well, for yeah, for this transition between Saturday night and Sunday morning, uh, I'm alive. I can say that, and I'm talking. So, <laughs> but my body is asleep. <laughs> Okay. I just saw a yawn from you. <laughs> That's not helping. <laughs> I apologize for that. That's okay. Hey, look, we we do what we got to do to to bang this thing out, and we love doing it. And so, I'm awake, and so are you. <laughs> After I a long am. days of work, so I I appreciate you staying up even longer. <laughs> At least mm. I had a short nap, right? <laughs> well, I I think some of my colleagues might confuse my work with napping. So. Oh. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Put that cat back. <laughs> All right, on this week's show, we've got a chat with I love saying this first year Japanese import Gosuke Kato of the Fighters. He is the guest. We're going to discuss the playoff races and look at an interesting stat and handle some high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. All right, so on September 20th, I caught up with Gosuke John Kato of the Nippon Ham Fighters out at Seibu Dome, uh, or whatever you want to call it. Now, I, I joked with him about that. I say, I, I said, hey, uh, your name's John. Did you use it in school? Uh, because I know guys can't, you know, we don't, we can't pronounce Americans. We just can't pronounce Japanese names very well anyway. And everyone's confused by the E's and the I's and he said he got some interesting uh, pronunciations that, and that he asked his father when he came back home from school early on because he went to the States when he was six and he came back home and said, Dad, can I just go by John? And he said, no, son, I want people to know your name and uh, you're going to make a name for yourself. And so that was interesting. Um, you know, he was born here in Japan and somehow he has dual citizenship. And I didn't ask him exactly about that because, like I said, he went to the States when he was uh elementary school age kid so but we we don't talk about people have dual citizenship when they're over 20 <laughs> we don't talk about it yeah well <laughs> we're not supposed to talk about it but yeah well, we they're not supposed about... to have it so we don't talk about it we don't talk about bruno either but uh apparently we're talking about him anyway i know you you don't get that reference it's from a movie uh yeah it's a disney movie anyway uh Gosuke explained a couple of things including uh how as a child in the san diego area uh, you know, he got to play a lot of baseball and, uh, he talked about the fact that he, it's so funny. Now, you know, you're aging when he talks about Japanese players who moved over from, uh, Nippon professional baseball to play in the majors. And, and you saw those guys coming up and you saw them develop. 
And then you saw him come back. And that's what we saw in Shinjo, his manager, Tsuyoshi Shinjo. So that was just kind of weird. That was a somewhat out-of-body experience for me. <laughs> but this was quite a ride. I, I hadn't, you know, had to... I, I think Jim and I talked about this, uh, we, not on mic, but Jim had a chance to to talk to Kato earlier in the season. And I said, oh, I really want to talk to him. So Jim stepped back and I said, no, man, you get the interviews when you get them. You know, we never know when we're going to get a chance to have that opportunity again. The guy could get hurt. Uh, he could get, you know, relegated to the farm somehow. If he's not doing well, you get the interviews when you have an opportunity. But Jim let me do this interview. So I appreciate that. And I'm not sure if I asked all the right questions. We didn't have a whole heck of a lot of time. Kato came out before, uh, right at the stretch period. So just be, just before the guys really got into their pregame routines. And he said, hey, let's knock it out now. But I knew we were going to be pressed for time. So I cut out a few questions. And uh, but he was very forthcoming. And I can I can tell you this. He, he's he got a great voice, too. What is this about the Nippon Ham Fighters guys and the great voices that you can just hear them already? Once they're finished with their playing days, they could, they're going to be in the radio booth, either here or in the States. I think he could probably go stateside and and do some really good commentary. He's got a very good voice. In fact, I could see him on Proyaki News in the future. But anyway, uh, Kato, he turns, uh, he's 28. He turns 29 next month, early next month. So well, I guess it's this month now because we're coming out on October uh, 2nd. But, but today is still technically sort of kind of like it was the last day of, of September. So <laughs> it was, but, but we're in that transition zone. So <laughs> it is officially October, but he, he turns uh, 29 a little bit later now early on in the chat you'll hear a tickle fight going on and yes you heard me correctly a tickle fight pitcher you say kawano jumped on top of kotaro kiyomiya it was giving him the poke rib and giving him the business and we're trying to have an interview and these guys are grown men earning big bucks and this is what they do pre-game so anyway let's take a listen to gosuke kato all right, we're here with Gosuke Kato of the Fighters. Thank you very much for taking some time with us. I yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, so what were your thoughts when the Fighters drafted you? It was, I mean, it was an absolute shock, um, as anyone could probably imagine. Um, I had played in the States since I was six years old, got drafted in 2013 by the Yankees. Um, very rare that anyone ever gets drafted in two, two separate leagues in mm -hmm. the same sport. Um, and... Uh, obviously, I was I was fortunate enough to get get drafted, but at the time I was extremely shocked. And um, but also uh, it had in the back it, it was in the back of my mind for a while. So um, I was I was ready for the opportunity at the same time. Now I saw when you got drafted, I was happened to be watching NHK that day or some TV show, and I saw you get interviewed. And even at that time, you you got interviewed in Japanese, but you're Japanese level it seemed like it was a little bit uh -huh. different from what it is now <laughs> and i'm just i'm just amazed at how much your japanese has improved through these years now how did you get your japanese level up so high well i mean it, it was uh it had plateaued for a, a while in my in my life because the only people i talked to were my parents and the media um but you know i, I speak japanese every day now with with all my teammates and um to me, I, I feel like I'm speaking the same, but everyone says like, man, like they'd watch interviews of me and like in like camp in like February and, and March and then they'd be like, Man, like your your Japanese has gotten so much better and 
I mean, I, I talk, I speak it every day. It's like, I don't know how much I've, I've progressed, but, um, yeah, everyone says my Japanese has gotten a, a lot better and so have my parents. So I think that's, that's been a, a, been a plus so far. Good. Now, what about being in a locker room like this? It's kind of international too, but, um, how has this adjustment to Japanese culture and Japanese baseball culture been? It's, it, it I mean, it was, it's been tough, um, to some extent, um, but I love challenges. Um, it's it's a very different dynamic as we have uh, as we have two guys having a tickle fight right here. Tickle uh, fight, cool. fighters having a tickle fight. <laughs> yeah. it's not, it, cool. it doesn't say tickle fighters on your <laughs> <laughs> We are the tickle fighters with Kiyomiya and it's Kawano Kiyomiya. right here. Yeah, Kawano. But like it's it's very it's very different. Um, but I I do understand both both cultures to some extent. Um, and we have a we have a bunch of foreigners here as well. And like I, I think I'm able to provide some sort of you know, bridge between them, and um, I kind of enjoyed that role as well, um, being uh, interactive with both sides, and uh, I think I think that's been one of my strong points this year as well. Getting pulled in as interpreter sometimes too. Yeah, being <laughs> pulled in as interpreters or like you know all all sorts of crazy stuff, but it's been fun overall. What 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 are some of the challenges, or what have some of the challenges been? I think I think without I getting just, too specific, you know, yeah, yeah, all your business, but like. Um, I don't. I think like I just had too high of expectations for myself. Um, like I've talked to some guys that were, you know, American. Uh, like I talked to Ponce before I went, came over here. Like, um, and he had very low expectations coming to Japan in terms of blending into the culture. Like he was like, you know, I'm ready to, uh, you know, start from scratch. Sure. And that's that wasn't really my 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 viewpoint because I'm obviously Japanese, raised in Japanese culture. Um, but when I came over here, I was like, man, like, I mean, there was a time when, like, I, I bought a gift for my parents, mm -hmm. and I had to find some gift wrapping paper, mm. and I was like, man, like, where do I go buy that, you know, like, think, those little small things, like, took a pretty big toll on my, on my body and my, and my mind, because I was like, man, like, I can't even find, like, gift wrapping paper, and I'm Japanese, um, but since then, like, I've kind of gotten used to, like, you know, the whole, uh, you know, like riding trains and like all those things. And, um, <laughs> and now, now I, now I take it as a challenge. Like these Tokyo trains are crazy and I'm still learning it, but well, I'm glad I have an app. I'll tell you that <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah. Um, now you started this season on the farm and then when you initially came up to the top team, you really got hot and yeah. had a really like that 10 game hitting streak. I think it was, yeah. uh, what was that whole thing like? Yeah. So I, I, uh, I hurt my oblique, um, during uh, camp, mm. and uh, it was a grade three, so I was out for a while, and uh, I was rehabbing that. And I got called up, and then um, it was just—I I think I just blacked out throughout the whole, you know, first ten games or whatever, because I don't—I really don't remember much about it. Um, I just remember like I was just there were just so much—I uh, was just so nervous, um, as what anyone would be making sure. their debut in anywhere. It doesn't really matter that I have big league experience, like coming to a new country and playing. Mm -hmm. It was, I was super nervous, but um, I think throughout those nerves, like everyone kind of supported me um, and, and all my coaches knew how nervous I was and then all of my teammates knew they kept the light on me and easy. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that that was a, a big part of my uh, success in the first uh, couple weeks of the season. And then, so what has happened since? How have you had to go through all this adjustment period? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, 
those those first you know 10 games or a couple weeks when i was hot like i was i would just call that like a trial period mm-hmm. um and that's kind of when i was trying to get to know japanese pitching and japanese pitchers were trying to get to know me sure and um that's just you know it's that's just a balancing act throughout the entire career and that's what i experienced in, in the united states too um and uh i think that's that's still continued on and i'm still continuing to learn about japanese baseball and japanese baseball is going to continue to learn about me and that's that's going to be uh my entire career going forward yeah i was going to say that that never stops even if you're mm-hmm. not playing baseball yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. so now you played different positions i know we know you as a, a middle infielder for the most part but i know you played at first base this year what other, what other positions do they have you and how did they approach you about playing other positions i mean they knew i was able to play every single position on the diamond mm-hmm. um but here I've been mainly first, second, and then uh, sprinkling in some DHs. Um, we got a lot of guys that can pick it over at short and, and third, mm. and they don't really need me over there, anyways. <laughs> um, and I would prefer being on, you know, playing second base. I, um, but you know, that's I'm open to anything. And if if you look at our roster, like everyone plays everywhere. I know. So that's that's kind of our, our strong point as well. So I think I kind of fit the mold. Um, in terms of fighters, uh, position players. All right, now I know you got to go. Last question: What's it like uh, playing for Shinjo? Oh, it's it's been a blast. Um, I uh, I watched his debut uh, on TV when he was with the Mets, um, and he's obviously we all know him as you know a superstar in in many different ways, not just baseball. And uh, to be able to play for him um, is really kind of shocking because i saw him you know playing in those uh npb uh japan series mm-hmm. and then like 2006 and yeah and yeah. then like all the all all the players on that team are are still with the the organization in some capacity yeah chori-san and then like i'm a coach and then we have uh, our gm who is inaba-san right and uh to be able to play for this organization with those coaches with shinjo-san has been a dream come true all right. Well, we appreciate your time today and good luck and All stay right. healthy. John, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. So there's a heck of a lot to break down there in eight minutes, but uh, I'm going to try to focus on what we heard, the words we heard, not the laughing and the tickling in the background. What did you, what tickled well, your ears? <laughs> well, I would think, I would think that the, uh, maybe that they need to put the ping pong table back in the clubhouse. Something. <laughs> These guys got too much energy. They got too much nervous energy. So, but I'm glad they've got a sense of humor, which is, uh, I I suppose, one thing if you play for Tsuyoshi Shinjo, you probably have to have a sense of humor. Either that or you're at the bar every night. Yeah. Could be. (laughs) Uh, Now, a lot of little things, and and as he said, uh, you know, the first thing that struck me when we talked about the language and about his being a bridge between the imports and the Japanese, I was I was sort of about to ask how is how good is his Spanish? Because <laughs> essentially, the only teammates of his who speak English English are Cody Ponce and Brian Rodriguez. That's enough. <laughs> and, Rod- and actually, I heard. I heard that uh, Kotaro Kiyomiya speaks English fairly well. Yeah, and uh, Yuki James Nomura speaks English as well. He but does not. No, he does not speak very well. Oh, okay. Is what I was told. Yeah, I was talking to one of the interpreters, one of the Spanish-speaking interpreters. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, maybe that's why he. You know, it's. Uh, D- I had 
dinner with Deanna Rubin in the summertime, and she told me that uh, in his first year, it was everything was James. And I <laughs> think that might have got people to think that uh, he spoke English because from the second year, that the James part kind of disappeared. Mm. <laughs> Maybe may perhaps stolen by the James gang. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but and when he saw me at Chiba, he kept looking like, I hope that guy doesn't ask me a question. Kind of, you know, I was getting that look like, I don't want to get too close. He might ask me a question. Ready to duck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, w- I wanted to talk to him and say, hi, I'm James too, you know, even in Japanese, but he, he didn't really give me a chance. And of course, you can't like approach them. Not because, anymore. <laughs> yeah. Not so you're you're at the, the mercy of the PR gods. So <laughs> or anyway, demons. So, yeah. Ah, well, we'll be beneficial. They're keeping obviously Lote, so they're protecting us from all their players who get COVID. <laughs> Hashtag hi. <laughs> because they care about the reporters. So much. Indeed. Okay. So anyway, little things. I thought that, you know, it really brought back memories when he talked about coming to Japan after sort of like knowing Japanese. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and I remember coming to Japan after I'd studied Japanese in university for a year and a half and feeling completely helpless sometimes. Sure. Because you can't understand this. You can't understand. You know, what I could do was read a few things in kanji. But uh katakana was uh was like uh, greek to me and uh, so on and so forth so i certainly get that everything i felt like hopeless despite the fact that i could actually speak some japanese so uh and i thought it was interesting what he said about being nervous because it brings me back to a, a former fighter who said that when he made his mlb debut uh it He'd been looking forward to it for so many years, but when it happened, it's like, oh, is that it? And <laughs> because he said, I was used to playing in front of 25,000 noisy fans at Sapporo Dome and, or at Tokyo Dome or in Fukuoka Dome and going to the ballpark at Arlington for, you know, 20,000 people from my MLB debut was like, oh, is that all there is? Yeah. <laughs> no way. And that, was, and that was Chris Martin. Ah. Told me that. So that was one of the things he got in Japan. So I thought that was quite interesting. But uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was good hearing. Uh, of course, it, when we spoke, he revealed if uh, my interview with him is still on jballallen.com. Your interview with? With Gosuke Kato. Okay. In which he described his uh, passion for Japanese pastries mm. and melon pong. Oh, yes. <laughs> that mist- completely mystified him. And so he's sort of one of his his quirk is that he goes around trying to find every variety of melon pong. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I, you know, I obviously asked Kato about Shinjo, and he did speak highly of him and praise Shinjo, the player. But mm-hmm. the thing that stood out to me, I guess, was something that he didn't say, because then he started to loud 
the the championship teams and talk about the players from those days. I mean, he totally missed. He gave a misdirection, a trap play in football. I mean, you <laughs> yeah. Know, uh, and I can't psychoanalyze that because I don't have a degree in that field. But it just stood out to me that he didn't discuss Shinjo and point out, well, he does this and he does that and he does the other. And I, I, this is the, these are the things that I, I enjoy or, uh, you know, that I learned about him that I didn't yeah. know the, the, the things were that we talked about were, you know, Iyama and Inaba in the front office and, uh, Shori Morimoto as a coach. And, uh, and I mean, you know, Unless you're Satoru Kanemura talking about Trey Hillman, that that was food food for thought for me because I just thought, why why aren't we talking about those guys when I asked you about Shinja? But hey, I, I don't know why we went that way. And um, yeah, I, of course, for me, I want to look at it as a negative because I, I keep feeling that this team has underachieved. I don't think it's a last place team in my eyes, talent wise. Uh, although we've seen some more maturity from the manager this season. I don't think we saw enough. And of course, this is the week, or I guess this is the week. I shouldn't say week because we're going to see more uh, this week as well. But this is the time of the season when we get the managers saying goodbye to the home crowds and making a speech and talking about how they didn't win and what went wrong. And Shinjo's speech was very mature. He said, hey, look, we didn't win. We didn't play good defense. We're going to work on that. But at the end of Shinjo's speech, he's talking about the fact that we're going to have uh, practice here before the fall season starts and we're going to the snack bars will be open and the stadium will be open. Please come. And I'm like, OK, well, you know what, what what's going on here? But anyway, the other thing I think that that stood out to me was the cultural aspect that Kato pointed out, saying he's Japanese, but he didn't know that Japanese stores service everything for you so he's looking around for wrapping paper to buy present the, the wrapping paper to, to wrap presents when in japan if you purchase something you just tell them at the desk or at the at the counter uh yes this is a present and they'll wrap it for you so there is really not a lot of wrapping paper available in this country for some reason which is nice uh they don't always wrap it the way you might like but it's definitely wrapped and that's a cultural adjustment that takes time. And and like you said, he's going around trying to find uh, the best melon bread and and all the melon flavored bread and all those things. And that's that's got to be fun. Um, you know, I had a friend from high school who graduated in my year, and then she was uh, of Japanese heritage, and she went, she came here to Tokyo, I guess, in the mid '80s, late '80s, mm-hmm. and she came screaming, crying back to the states saying, you know, I spent time here in Japan, but I couldn't speak enough of the language. But everybody thought I was Japanese. Everywhere I went, they thought I was Japanese. And I saw myself as American, and they saw me as Japanese. So I couldn't communicate. Uh, They called me idiot. Uh, You know, they spoke to me harshly. And she just came screaming and running back to the States. And and I remember that when, when Kato was telling me about the story about looking for wrapping paper. And then you know, it has to be difficult because I, I actually, you know this too. We've got friends at at the office, or there are people in some state. You you might meet someone who looks mm-hmm. Asian enough to pass for Japanese, and you go out with them, and you speak to someone at a at a counter, uh, and you ask a clerk something, and they respond to the Asian looking person next to you who has no idea what's going on, and that's the way that you know the culture is. So, I, I found that really interesting, and he, and also Kato said. It took a toll on him 
mentally and physically. And I thought, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you can, the, the adjustment is mental, but that, uh, that impacts the physical, everything's connected. And so I, 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 I guess I got a new found appreciation for the mental stress taking a toll on the body that mm. it do, it does transfer and 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 you notice that and you know he talked about the fact that he was hot early he had this 10 game hitting streak i, I guess it was he tied a rookie record for hitting every game for uh, the first 10 games of his of his career from his debut mm-hmm. but that he doesn't remember much from it and you know he was still trying to learn and and you know the learning never stops and all these things that he spoke about and i'm like yes 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 and you know of course it doesn't stop there are always adjustments to go through so it was it was awesome it was i, I mean i i found those i mean there were a lot of things to discuss and we could talk about it all night i think but those were the things that i wanted to point out because those really kind of touched home for me of course mm. the tickle fight was also i mean just kind of ridiculous <laughs> I wish I wish I had the video going because like you would have seen Kawano on top of Kiyomiya and like I said, giving him the poke rib and tickling him like he was a, a six year old. It was just it was cute. So precious. Oh, precious. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, there's like I said, there's not much to talk about with the fighters here. They're out of the playoffs. They're sort of impacting the playoff picture, but well, they did to get offer Shinjo a new contract extension because they wanted more of him through one year contract. Well, yeah, we 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 uh, I think we knew that was coming, but part of that in my opinion is well it's a, it's a combination it's a combination meal. They're not going to replace him even though they didn't do well because they have a new stadium and they still think uh he's a very popular figure and he is. It's I guess it's the Tatsunami effect. You know, you you're you're popular, therefore we'll keep you we'll keep you because you're a good face of the franchise. I don't I don't know that it's gonna impact the wins and losses in a good way, but I, I know that the gate money is gonna be good because he's a popular figure. People like him. Yeah. Well it is curious. I guess I mean, yes, but no, because <laughs> if it gets you money, it's not curious. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you want wins, I mean, sometimes it's like <laughs> I heard I heard it a long time ago. Uh, maybe it was in a movie. The woman says to her daughter, "Look, honey, you're gonna have a man who makes a lot of money, or you can you can get one who's good in bed. But it's your choice, you know. <laughs> do you want the money, or do you want the honey? <laughs> so I, I I don't I don't think it's curious if they if they want the money, they're gonna get the money." Because okay. he's he's a popular figure and he's gonna he's gonna be a good draw and he's good with the he's good with the crowd he really is he can work I should say a room is is more than a dome he can work the city you know <laughs> he's working that whole region I'm curious how the you know I'm curious how the media responds to him because after his at his initial press conference and listening to the TV reporters try to outdo each other in sucking up to him <laughs> was quite quite you know i i thought that that should be a sport at the asian games <laughs> hashtag high heat because these guys were like 
let's all call let's you know one guy said let's all to the reporters in the press in, in the press conference let's all stand up and give a round of applause to big boss oh no no and I, it's like wait wait let's all bow to big boss you know let's all prostrate ourselves to big boss let's have our listeners send flowers you know it was like that it was it was unbelievably drool cringeworthy <laughs> no oh, no yeah I, I i yeah like i said I, I at first when i saw him bouncing off the walls that day i, I would swear that there was some pharmaceuticals involved with that uh particular <laughs> press conference but hey uh i i don't know and i wasn't there but um yeah, look, he, he's a big draw. So uh, I don't, I, I, you know, if they're worried about winning or developing these young players and getting the most out of them, uh, they can hire coaches to do that. They they want a face of the franchise, and I guess. Uh, yeah, and and they're getting it. So uh, let's uh, make a seamless transition and talk about the league races and start in the Pacific League. And I'm not going to sing that song again for you because thank you. I know you don't like it, but I love it. And <laughs> I'm glad you do love it. It it shows that taste is is very variable, no <laughs> yes, and, well, and something for which there is no accounting. Right. Okay. All right. You, you, you always stay away from the pejorative, so just <laughs> don't stuck on one now. But hey, hey, they're they're little. I won't sing it, but I'll say it. They're gutty. They're the gutty little eagles, and they keep winning. And tonight was just. I don't know how much of the game you saw tonight because you're working Asian game stuff, but you know they had to come back and 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 fight off the Oryx Buffaloes. And this is the first place team. And these these first place teams, Hanshin and Oryx, obviously they're quote unquote playing out the string, so to speak, because they've already wrapped up everything. So they're just trying to stay healthy and play some games and stay sharp. And they don't well, I've really seen them use sort of get their depth. Uh, in order both for the postseason both Hanshin and Oryx and I think we saw some of that the other night when they left the pitcher on the mound that if the game if the, if the game really meant something I don't think we would have seen this guy throw as long as he did but hey look that's just one aspect of it so I I, I give credit to the Eagles for the win uh, they also had the Eagles did they had a two out seven consecutive hit rally the other night to get past the buffaloes and that was at home that was on september 28th yeah. and it's the little things you know they fall behind by three runs early but they come back they get a guy on and they work him around and they score in clutch situations and i just you know they're they're they've crawled climbed groveled back into second place for a moment there and they're they <laughs> I I think they're I don't know they're not a viable threat in my opinion to go to the Japan series but they're certainly in a in a first round win two out of three series scenario uh, a threat to whomever they're playing and let's face it that the, the Hawks really just haven't put it together they're getting by they got a game tonight uh, Yuki Yanagita hits a home run in the ninth to tie the score. And then Akira Nakamura hits one out to win the game, and they get by uh, by the hair of their skinny chin chins. But I mean, it's not convincing. So they're getting by. And, and again, that's another team. You look at all the teams. Uh, we got three teams vying for two playoff spots, and they're undecided. Even that that includes the the Lotte Marines, who had to come back tonight and and did and won their game. 
they're they're all so similar and yet all different but they're they're, they're none of them i think are in the league with the buffaloes anyway and then they're gonna have to start that second series with all the advantages or disadvantages that go with not winning so what, what have you been seeing have you how much have you been able to watch i know like i said you got asian games duty as well i'm watching very little asian games it's mostly just checking copy of rugby copy and then um you know writing writing j league and writing baseball i'm writing i'm i'm doing a little bit focusing on you know on the teams that are uh in the hunt for playoff position and what have i seen i've seen you know what we've seen from the hawks which is like a team that i i'm i'm not certain what to say about the hawks except that they're they've misfired a lot this year mm. they've shown they can play but they've been just gloriously inconsistent in a way that we really expect from the i mean as and in this in in the same way that the rock 10 eagles and the lote marines have been so they've sort of you know sunk down to the level of the you know of the lowest common denominator sure yeah of course the marines had another issue uh they're currently uh half game back I believe in fourth place. In fourth place, yeah, they dropped out. And, and they the they three. were in they were in second place for a while, and then they got a they had a, a rash of COVID deactivations last weekend. I think they deactivated eleven players over the course of about five days, mm-hmm. which uh, kind of contributed some, to that yeah. uh, that skid that they had. Yeah, right. Some of those guys were uh, probably close contacts who quickly returned, but not all of them. So that's what I, I, I guess the interesting thing I've seen from the Marines was a couple of things. One is that uh, Steve uh, Novosel, the Love Marines uh, blogger, was saying, how come they never let Koshiro Wada hit? Well, I think the answer is they never let him hit because generally he can't, but he did have a heck of a week. Yeah, <laughs> generally he can't, but on and occasion. Then I, and then I saw another thing about the Marines this week, which was I was was paying attention to, which was Atsuki Taneichi, who's in, yes. a, who's in a dogfight uh, for the pacific league strikeout he's the second best uh, strikeout pitcher in the pacific league behind his teammate roki sasaki and he's in a he's been in a weekly tug of war over the the strikeout league with yoshinobu yamamoto has pitched quite a, a few more innings but a funny thing happened on the way to his game the other day he went to uh went to rock 10 they went uh, went up to sendai and he forgot to bring his splitter I thought I was wondering what you were getting at because I was like, I was watching that game. I didn't hear anything about that. Uh, yeah, he forgot he to bring his splitter. Yeah. Yeah. He left his splitter and he tried throwing three of them, but they weren't really his. You know, oh, he, no. borrowed, he borrowed them from somebody else. Yeah. And and so after that, it, everything was sliders, which is his sort of like B secondary pitch. Mm hmm. He threw sliders and he tried his fastball and they were the sliders. A lot of them weren't very good. And, and the ones, and of course it's, you know, it just ain't, ain't it that way when he threw good ones, they hit him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just like that. It was like everything. I 
I take that back. It was not the Marines. It was the it was the um, Nippon Ham fighters who took him apart. It was quite uh, it was quite something. I think they had seven straight two out hits. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I was talking about that, but that was against the Buffalo. Sorry, okay. the, the Eagles did that against the Buffaloes, but it, they had similar. They had a this similar was rally. A, this was the fighters against. The, yeah, against they had a similar rally against, against, against the against Marines. The yeah. yeah. Uh, now the fighters had a similar rally against the Marines. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So so I saw that, and uh, the Eagles are just. Uh, their their offense has been a little more consistent of late. Uh, Hiroki Shimauchi's had a couple of big games. Well, actually, one big game. Well, Enough yeah, to remind us games. that he led that he led the league in RBIs for a couple of years. Yeah, he had a couple of big moments too. I would say moments sure. more than the games. But yeah, uh, the other thing that's probably as interesting to me as as the Pacific League pennant race is the Pacific League's triple crown hunt. Hmm. Which we, you know, haven't really spent much time. Well, nobody and, did. Well, no, but nobody did. Well, it because suddenly became it became yeah. a thing yesterday. Well, no, I mean, it. I had been watching it, and I had been hearing well, about did. it, and I had been you know, because they have mentioned it on uh, Proyaki News a lot oh, of times. Okay. When there's only a, 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 a like a three game day, they go through and talk about some of those things. So I did see it about I don't know six weeks ago. And I said, well, he's not going to catch Yuma Tongu because Tongu at the time was hitting a lot higher than he's stuck at now at 307. But yeah, Tongu got, Tongu, got, Tongu got injured. And so now uh, uh, Kondo can catch him. And he has had some pretty good production. And he's, uh, you know, I don't know. I was going to talk about this, too. At some point, I, we haven't I, I don't know. I don't watch all the guys on twitter but we haven't had people talking about is the ball dead is something wrong with the ball but the now the averages are low and the home runs are low and the the dragons can't score at all and they're not that bad so maybe there is something different about about the ball this year but uh, i would i venture to say with it if somebody's going to win the batting ground with a 307 average and someone's going to win the home run derby or the home run race with fewer than 30 home runs that something's going on but i don't i don't know why. i don't I mean, know i don't know but he, uh, basically uh saturday the hawks um by the time the podcast goes out i think the hawks will have three or four games left but over the last five games if condo goes 11 for 20 or 10 for 18 maybe has one home run Yep. Then he'll probably win the triple crown, and but this triple crown reminds me so much. This this whole thing reminds me so much of 1995, and I'll I'll just I'll quickly do that now. Ichiro Suzuki won the batting title with a 3.42 average, and he also hit 25 home runs, and he tied the uh, tied for RBIs with 80 with. Uh, Kyoshi uh, Hatsushiba of the Marines and and uh, Yukio Tanaka of the Fighters, mm-hmm. but he at the last uh, he never caught uh, Hiroki Kokubo in home runs. Hiroki Kokubo hit twenty eight home runs. Dichiro's twenty five, and uh, a lot of well, not a lot of people remember that. But what I remember from that is Hiroki Kokubo got a television commercial out of that. <laughs> in which he's he's sitting on a bench and people are passing him by like he's nobody he says look i kept ichiro suzuki from winning a triple crown nobody even knows i exist 
I don't remember the commercial, but I, I do sort of remember that year. And yeah, yeah. So, so it's very much like that. Okay. Anyway, so that's that's the PL, but it's uh, we're down we're we're down to three teams fighting for two playoff spots, and it's really close. But still, a bunch of games left. So yeah. Well, I mean, you say a bunch, and we've basically got this week and and choppy schedule again. But there's baseball on Monday again, so we've got a lot of standalone games too coming up this week. So we'll see how it goes, but uh, you know, I, well, I don't a bunch. I still am thinking of like lots, but yeah, the Marines have seven, which is uh, most in the Pacific leagues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they, have, they definitely have a chance to come back and yeah, what game games and a half? Yeah, 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 they're game and a half out of second place. So yeah. pretty much they... everybody else can be done, and they can still finish second. Yeah, I mean, the second place team you know, loses and drops down to fourth. The fourth place team wins and jumps up to third or second. It's it's I, I don't know that I remember seeing anything like this mm. when there are three teams that are so close that it changes daily being in the playoffs. You know, the standings change daily where you could do this. I've seen in the past uh, some instances we've had the, the PLCS starting before the regular season was actually complete. I don't think they can even think about doing that this year because they're not going to know what teams are supposed to be in the playoffs. They can't start that first round. So, um, oh. you know, I always talk about let's have the last pitch decide a lot of the fate of the playoff teams and all those things. I really think it's coming down to that in the Pacific League. It just it, I mean, this is crazy. Well, we're not that different in the Central League, except it's only two teams vying for two, you know, for pole position. Yeah, this is not this is not you know losing you snooze. This is you lose and you get your and you pack your bags and have to play on the road. And apparently, uh, by the time this comes out, that'll probably be decided if Hiroshima plays in it. Let's call it later today uh, and gets a tie or a victory, then they will have locked up. Uh, yeah, they have locked up second yeah, place. Right, because those teams, those uh, those teams, the Carp have only one game left after Saturday, and the DNA deniers only have two. So yeah, so yeah, the, the Central League is going to finish up. So interesting stuff uh, in the Central League. Like I said, it could go down to the last pitch. Let's uh, make a two seam transition and look at the Central League now. So, like Jim just mentioned, the the Bay Stars and Carp basically are just looking for not pole position but you know second on the grid there <laughs> second place and trying to get through uh and have that first round playoff uh central league climax series at their home stadium and i was pulling for the yokohama bay stars simply because then i'd be able to go to the game mm. <laughs> so selfish reason selfish reasons but it looks like it's probably going to be down in hiroshima and that in all likelihood means I won't be able to go, although I'll try to sneak down there somehow some at some point. But anyway, I don't know. I, I, I I'm say trying to that, picture how, how you would sneak to Hiroshima. Yeah, honey, I, I'm be gone for three days. You know, <laughs> don't look yeah. for me and don't call. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I, I have to say this about the base stars. I with Katsuki Azuma you know, tying the club record with 12 consecutive winning decisions. Uh, he just became a serious Sawamura Award candidate. Now, I don't think he's going to win it, but mm. I do think he's going to get his share of votes. Uh, when you do something like this, I, he has tied the club record. Uh, and that record was Kazuhiko Endo in 1983 with 12 wow. consecutive uh, winning decisions. So 
it, it's amazing and it's weird because Azuma has been good, but obviously we we didn't pay. I started watching certainly when he, when he was at six or seven, but mm-hmm. I just kept expecting it was like a, a you die oh no no hitter. He was expecting to give up a hit in that game, and I was expecting Azuma to lose. So I never brought it up. And each week I'm like, well, should I talk about that? Nah, he'll probably lose by the time we get that podcast out. So what's the point? And he keeps winning games. So here he is uh, winning and winning. And so, like I said, I, I think he has pitched his way into that Salomona Award candidate uh, status. And I think he's the number one starter when the playoffs begin for the Bay Stars. I, I don't see how you could put anybody else out there for that first game the way he's been pitching. And the other day I just watched and he was, as someone said before, he he was painting a picture on a gnat's behind from the mound. <laughs> and he was just spotting everything and and it was just awesome to watch him locate everything. Every pitch that he wanted is he was in complete command of everything. Uh, it's almost like you know the, the the guys had no chance with the bat. They might as well have been holding a toothpick up there. So uh, so I like what I'm seeing out of DNA. I just you know they again have trouble fielding, and we saw some of that this past week. You know they 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 just don't have any head turning, headline grabbing defenders. And if they put them out there, they 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 do have them on the roster. They just sure. when they put them out there, they don't hit. And so the offense suffers and, you know, you got, it's not a good offense to begin with. To begin with it. You've got Taishi Ota who, you know, we, we, we have seen him do things in the past. We know he has power, but uh, he's barely hitting. I mean, he's hitting less than, than, well, he's, just, I, I think he's been, I think he's been hurt most of the season. He's been dealing with the, uh, you know, injuries as much, some kind of, he can play, but he can't play well. Yeah, this and that. Yeah, and he's been just coming back recently, and he's he's looked okay in in some cases, but on the other, of course, that that Kotsky Azuma game, uh, his sixteenth win, it was really a win like they you know they deserved it as much as the opponents did. I mean, there wasn't the the Bay Stars run was an accident. <laughs> yeah, true. and. Ozma was no, you know, Ozma was no better than the guy who pitched against him. In fact, he probably wasn't as good, but he lost. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, uh, one guy I do like, uh, he's one of two catchers that, who have I've seen uh, recently in the second half of the season. I really like, and that's uh, Yudai Yamamoto yep. of of the Bay Stars. And yep. um, not not only is this guy looks like he has been a, around and had been starting for a long time. He, he's got some swag to him. He's, he's he looks you know he looks the part, and uh, I, I really like what he has been doing. I, I can't say enough. I didn't know his arm was that strong. And mm. speaking of a strong arm, I, I wanted to bring this up when we were talking about the fighters. But Uatamia of of the fighters is going to be my favorite catcher uh, going forward. This dude, the the throwing arm on this dude, if he hits it all, when he hit his first pro home run the other day. Uh, the arm on this dude, oh, it's scary. He's got a, a Patrick Mahomes kind of arm back there. I know you don't know it's a football player. His father played baseball, though. His Bay father Stars. played for, for yeah, that's right, the Tayo Whales. Yeah. Uh, the oh, DNA based stars. I shouldn't sorry, say, yeah. The, yeah. the Yokohama. The Bay Yokohama stars. franchise, yes. <laughs> but 1998. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. And there's a picture somewhere in one of Wayne's books with uh, – with Patrick Pat Mahomes holding 
young Patrick Mahomes and with his wife at Yokohama Stadium. So I've seen that picture. But anyway, uh, this kid's arm, uh, Tamiya, uh, I, I'm, I'm just so impressed with him. And Yamamoto, pretty good as well. So I think the, the Bay Stars have a catcher who can, I, I don't know how much he'll produce in the in the. Nobody knows, of course, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not confident that he's a big productive guy with a bat in the postseason, but he certainly has been good behind the plate for them. So I like what I'm seeing from DNA. And I, like I said before, I don't care where they finish in the standings. That team is a serious threat to get through all the way to the Japan series. I don't think the Tigers can just waltz past uh, this team just because of the pitching, but they're going to have to catch the ball <laughs> and make and produce outs when it comes to that. That's the whole big deal for them. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, no, they've been they've been a good team this year. They've been inconsistent. Uh, I like that. Now, Daisuke Miura, I like what he's done with the bullpen because it's not. There's no it doesn't seem to be a plan, but he's trying different people. Morihara is sort of like their guy now. Uh, Wendell Ken uh, is now their guy. At the, oh, excuse the back. me. Yes, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, J.B. Wendelkin was. It was Morihara, and now it's Wendelkin. And he, well, uh, he just got his, I think he just got his first save the other day. So I don't, I'm not certain how. Yeah, he did. I think he has two or three now. Yeah. He saved, he saved that uh, one nothing, uh, Azuma win over the Giants. And the other pitcher I was thinking of was Yori Yamasaki, who was, was probably better than Azuma. But, you know, what are you going to do when somebody hits a ground ball that bounces? bounces foul right after it crosses the third base bag for an RBI double. You know, it's like an excuse, two excuse me hits and you lose one, nothing. Okay. Yeah. Well, Wendelkin has three saves now. So as we, he speak does to, have, he yeah. does have three saves. Okay. So, but he's, he, uh, Miura's not hesitant to use any of his guys that he likes as the closer. And I like that. I mean, I, I'm not one of these people who thinks that, uh, you can't close if you have, you know, there's a weird thing going around. People used to think, well, you have to be a proven closer to be a closer. But, you know, that's a chicken, chicken and egg kind of thing. You can't be a proven closer if you've never been a closer before. Oh, that's what you're going to say if you never laid an egg. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> All right. But no, he's he basically says, OK, let's give you, you know, you you look like you can do it. And of course, the mental issue is a mental issue. and. Uh, people learn to deal with that or they don't. But, you know, he's not hesitant about using different guys in that role. And that's good because it gives you, you know, if if it gives you more options. Of course, it could be there are seasons when everybody you try doesn't work. But and that has, you know, it's looked bad. Sometimes it looks absolutely awful, like it's like a time bomb. But when it does work, it's beautiful. And so far it's working. Yeah, well, I think I think the Bay Stars can, with their starting pitching, can get guys at least to the fifth or sixth inning. And after that, I think they can piece it together. And we saw Daisuke Miura on Friday with the bases loaded against the Hanshin Tigers in the fifth right. inning, uh, just to go uh, one yeah. at a time. To get yeah, one, through, two, to, three. To three, get, yeah, to get three through pitchers, a, three strikeouts with yeah, the bases get, loaded. Yes, to get through a difficult situation, bases loaded, nobody out. They, they got through without any run score they then they held off the tigers and won that game mm. you know they've been winning a lot of games that they need to i like the fact that he's doing that and they're in playoff mode now i i really like what i'm seeing from that team i have expectations from them obviously 
getting through that first series in the in the plays in the playoffs. But look, it it just <laughs> you know, and everyone says the playoffs are a crapshoot. I, I totally disagree. I, I what I think what happens to you throughout the long season happens to you in the playoffs. It's just magnified uh, and it's bigger. But here's the other thing. Throughout a long season, you throw, you go through many ups and downs, and you just have to get to the playoffs with an up and not a down. And I think if you do that, you have a better chance, obviously, of getting through if your players are performing better at their peak. But it's hard to get all those moving parts together, and that's why you get a lot of ups and downs. But I think, look, if I would not be surprised that the Bay Stars have trouble fielding the ball in the playoffs and don't make it through the first round because that that is what has happened to them all season long. Uh, but it hasn't cost them a great deal of games, in my opinion, right? It just cost them a bunch of runs. And the games are more difficult. But, I, but obviously, with them finishing in the top three, I don't think it has cost them a, a lot in the in the win-loss column. But if there's certainly a weakness, an obvious weakness, that's it. Yeah, I think that. And the inconsistent, you know, essentially for half the season, they were two-player offense, Shugo Maki and Toshiro Miyazaki. Yeah, which I don't think and, is going to change either. Well, Kate, <laughs> Desano, a little bit Kate hot, Desano has been really inconsistent this year, and that's probably the biggest drag there. But uh, yeah, and also settling on Yuta Yamamoto as as the as sort of like the main catcher. He mm-hmm. went, you know, he's gone done with his catchers. What he's done with the bullpen, which is let's see who works today, and let's um, there's there's never. There is, I won't say there's no best way. There's always a best solution for every problem, mm-hmm. but there's, it's very rare that there's not a better way to do something. Gotcha. Uh, so when people do say something, oh, this is strange or this is that, or, you know, it's usually we, the knowledge, the amount of things we actually know is very tiny. The last thing I want to say about the, the centrally pennant race is the team that isn't there. Ah, that's right. We need to talk about this. <laughs> we do, because uh, oh, the the Bay Stars uh, for co- had two games in which they needed a tie to clinch their playoff spot, and to do that, they would uh, eliminate the uh, Yomiuri Giants. And when they did, we had a public apology from the owner, Toshikazu Yamaguchi. Mm-hmm. And he said, basically, it was a hard season. Of course, uh, we we expected to win the pennant this year, uh, but we didn't really uh, compete for it as well as we had hoped and blah, 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 blah. And then came the big, the big thing he didn't say, like he did a Gosuke Kato on us when they asked about <laughs> Tatsu Norihara. He said, uh, um... I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, there's, there's two lines of thinking about this. One is, uh, and I was thinking about this because when I used to work at the Daily Yomiuri, the paper before it was called the Japan News with John and our buddy Rich Freeman, you know, we used to have to put do soccer stories. And it seemed like every time a, a, a football manager was under fire, the chair, the team's chairman would say, I'm, I have complete confidence in him. And that was like the kiss of death. You knew the guy was going to get fired before mm-hmm. the week was out. <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe, uh, Mr. Yamaguchi 
not saying anything about horror was better, but uh, do you have any thoughts about this before I get into my spiel? Um, no, you go ahead and then I'll, I'll, I'll respond afterwards. Okay, well, horror, as you know, basically the Giants, uh, for all intents and purposes, wanted to get rid of him three years ago. Or not get rid of him, but kick him out of the manager's job. The Transition. Giants- yeah, well, see, the Giants have a problem, and the problem is they don't want to make it look like they're firing somebody. <laughs> so they basically wanted Hara to say, it's time for me to step down. And, you know, they were going to say, you know, your contract's up. This is over. You know, we're going to we're going to name abe shinosuke abe is the next manager and you know we're going to make you the general manager or something Mm -hmm. and instead hara leaked to the media that he would not be adverse to getting a new contract which meant that the giants couldn't do that right they couldn't make it look like he was leaving voluntarily when he said he was open to staying so my guess is the giants are going to try again to persuade him to say it was his idea to leave take this golden watch exactly <laughs> it wouldn't, and they're going to promote him to something they've already got one emeritus manager i am shigeo nagashima so maybe they can have emeritus assistant emeritus manager i don't know yeah but uh promote him and so they can make abe manager but they're going to have to persuade him to come out and say that of course they could have they could, of course, offer him something in return. And I wouldn't be surprised if Hara is apparently reportedly a fairly astute business person. If he doesn't get something, he didn't get something in exchange for giving up the last year of his contract that's worth more than the contract itself. Platinum parachute, uh, golden watch, and yeah, if he child wants to it. be named later. <laughs> yeah. So if he wants it, it's his chance to cash in. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I knew something was going to happen because I did see the reports about finishing out of the playoffs two consecutive years and right. that that wasn't good. I didn't see the no comment. I don't want to talk about the hot up portion, but I think I had the Giants finishing in fourth because I didn't like the pitching and never could have foreseen uh Shosei Togo having this kind of season, he has been fantastic. And uh, even though they lost today in a start and he has pitched, what, 34 or so consecutive scoreless innings against the Dragons. So, you know, he has dominated a team that can't hit, proving that, you know, he is a dominant pitcher because that's what you should do with those teams. Mm. But, yeah, I, it's going to be an exciting offseason for sure. We definitely have to move on. So this will be more food for mm. thought for next week. And hopefully we'll have some movement in it because I, I you know, I think they, ha- they were like the Dragons. They have a manager in waiting. They want to get that guy out there as the new face of the of the franchise, I think, I would assume. And um, now, actually, I heard um, the Dragons do have a manager in waiting, but he's not the guy you think he is. Oh, I'm talking about the Giants having a drag- oh, oh, manager okay. in waiting. Yeah. That Shinosuke Abe, they they just you know again we had this year again where they just moved him up to the top team <laughs> because the the reason I heard about one of my colleagues told me that there was a guy that Japan wanted to manage the national team and he turned them down because he is apparently going to be the next Dragons manager. Oh, all right. Well, 
Yeah, well, apparently. Well, then not next year, right? So the year after that. Nope. But that would be conflicting with the WBC and all that. So they, I think he turned them down for that reason. I think he's going to go manage the Dragons farm team next year. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. We won't do the top uh, performers for September until all the games are over. So we'll get to that probably next week. There was uh, we've got a, a statistic that we mentioned earlier in the season. Uh, we talked about the negative side, which was that the base stars had the worst fielding percentage on balls hit and play. Mm-hmm. So not I was, the f- not fielding percentage, but the the fewest percentage of the fewest percentage of outs per ball and play. I knew I was going to mess that up because you said yeah. it. If if I had said it, I wouldn't have messed it up. But we mess up mess up each other's lines. So yeah. So uh, so we knew that it was the base stars. So I wanted to ask Jim about talking about the the top three teams or at least the top team in fielding batted balls. Well, three of the teams that are in the top two of the three teams aren't going to be in the postseason. Cebu Lions, number one, at mm. 72%. Uh, number two, the Hanshin Tigers. And these this data is from September 23rd. So I apologize. I did not go back. I had it ready for last week and I haven't updated it, but it'll be in that ballpark, so to speak. Sure. Um, the formerly known as Prince, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so the Hanshin Tigers are 71.4% of the balls in play get turned into outs, and the Yomiuri Giants were 71.3%. So That's interesting. Wow. That's it. But we get once you get past the Giants, it's pretty much all until you get to the base stars, and it's pretty much all the teams are in that area of 71%. It's not 70, 71%. It's not a huge difference. Uh, one thing I did find when the Hanshin Tigers clinched their pennant, I was looking at things that made them different. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, they were they've been really good at this year is turning double plays. Sabu Lions are also pretty good at turning double plays for that matter. Um, but uh, the team, the interesting thing is the team that has the most, the highest percentage of double plays turned based on the number of runners who are on first base. Mm-hmm. In in other words, singles, uh, walks, and hit batsmen, mm-hmm. which is not an exact precise number, but it's a, you know, it's a it's an approximation. Uh, the Tigers are number one by a good margin, and the worst team in Japan is the Oryx Buffaloes. So kind of interesting there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, something you wouldn't you wouldn't think that that's the case for the team that's you wouldn't think so, no, but but yeah, so that's that is the way it is. Yeah, that's why I sometimes say stats are you know like I wouldn't say they lie, but you can twist them and make them say whatever you want sometimes. So um, well, you can if you're you know if you if you need a stat. If if you use the stat as a you know as an illustration of something you're trying to argue and you've already made up your mind, mind. what it is. Yes. <laughs> and and you can say, oh well, you know, you need a giant's headline, so you make up a stat that makes this a record. Yes. <laughs> or you even when it's not a record, yes. <laughs> exactly. Or you say, you know, um, he's the only player, he's the only player with at least six triples and 
less, less than 40, 40 strikeouts and 100 at bats with five home runs. And okay, you know, there's only one guy who fits that profile. So that he, there's only three guys and two of them are Hall of Famers. So this guy must be a Hall of Famer. You know, that, there's that argument. And those, yeah. that's, that's, yeah, using as, as, as Bill James says, using stats not to, not to, uh, illuminate, but to obfuscate. Yes. Um, now we we don't have uh, a couple notes this week. One was that uh, Noki Sasaki was supposed to throw last week and and had a fever and was deactivated. And I'm checking now to see if he's he's not pitching tomorrow, but he has been reactivated, or at least he's back with the team. I didn't say if he's been reactivated, but he's back with the team now. So, so yeah, perhaps on Monday he'll be out there. Uh, we got that that Monday game, so he might be pitching on possible. That uh, and then another retirement I wanted to mention was longtime SoftBank Hawks star and current Giants player Nobuhiro Matsuda. He is mm-hmm. out. He, his, his energetic play, his blinking in the batting box, his Atsuo! scream, his hot foot dance when he fouled off a pitch. I'll just, you know, I'll, it's hard to miss any of his antics. Uh, I'll miss him. He played 17 plus seasons. I don't think you can count much from this season. So I'm saying 17 plus. Uh, this is his 18th year, but he did not reach 2,000 hits. You know, he's got 1,832. I th- I would have thought he would have been closer to 2,000 than that. But mm. he was never just... a high average guy. And that's, sure. that's the thing that that's remarkable for me is he won, uh, I think, uh, six Golden Gloves mm. at third base, and he hit 301 home runs. And you'd think a guy who hits 300 home runs. Who's like a gold glove third baseman? This guy is gonna win some best nine awards. He won one hmm. because basically he was every year when the Hawks were winning pennants, Takuya Nakamura was hitting forty home runs. Sure, <laughs> and they're third baseman. <laughs> yeah, or the year the Hawks weren't winning pennants like 2013 and then it's Casey McGee playing third base for the, the rock 10 Eagles, or it's somebody else. He, he just, it was a really good position for people having big years that weren't named to know who, you know, and he got, he finished second runner up a few times, but it was quite, it's quite puzzling. You know, he's one of those guys who, who was one of the better third basemen in the league. But you just don't notice it. Yeah, yeah. Good career, good guy. And uh, he yeah. t- talked about uh, how his family used to gather around the TV and watch Giants games. So he was honored to uh, retire as a Giant. And I think he had a retirement game on the farm. He had a. They didn't bring him up for this game because I guess they wanted to make it appear as though they had a chance to get into the playoffs. So they didn't want to bring him up to the top team, which they could have done today. Mm. <laughs> And they lost anyway, so it wouldn't really have mattered. But, hey, uh, they didn't deem him worthy enough. He hadn't been there long enough. I'm sure if he had still been with SoftBank, SoftBank would have brought him up. At least if he didn't play in the game, he could have gotten into the field to play a little bit of defense or something. I don't know. But, anyway, um, goodbye to him. And there have been some others, but I just wanted to mention. Yeah, he was a big one. Yeah. All right, let's go to fielding questions. All right, so this uh, question has been on deck for a week. It comes to us from Christopher in Ireland via email. And he says, hi, Jim and John. 
My two sons and myself are huge MPB fans, and we live in Ireland but catch a lot of games live through streaming in the morning Irish time. Unfortunately, our fighters have had a bad year, but the new stadium is spectacular. One day, we'll go to a game in Sapporo. Meanwhile, we are grateful for your excellent podcast, as there isn't too much English language NPB coverage out there. One question we have for you is about expansion. It seems that prior to the pandemic, there were efforts underway to expand by four teams, the proposed locations of Okinawa, Shizuoka, Shikoku, and Niigata, and they all made sense, and apparently all four have MPB-sized stadiums in place. Then came COVID, and the last we heard was that there is a possible two-team expansion in the minor leagues next year. It would be great if you could discuss the current state of expansion and given the recent success of the J-League across all islands, we feel that MPB expansion would be great for the league and its fans across Japan. And might I add, Christopher, worldwide. <laughs> all it. right. So we received this question or something similar to it each year. And I believe the last time we got it, I said something to the effect that I was starting to flip from never to it's possible. And then... On Friday, I saw a story, it was a short one, uh, saying MPB is going to expand the minor leagues by two teams. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I believe they're taking existing teams that play in in one is an independent league team. What was the other one, Jim? Yeah, the the independent league, league, that's uh, Albirex Nigata, which has got a... Albirex is a team in the B League in the Professional Basketball League, and they've got a, a a football J League football team, and they've got a bunch of other sports teams. So their baseball team is going to play in one of Japan's minor leagues, and the other one is yeah called... by J League football. He, he he is talking about soccer to the American listeners. Yeah, so uh, the other team is in Shizuoka, and it's called Hayate Fujisan, uh, although it's spelled. 223 so it's the the japanese onyomi the the sound of the the numerals 223 is pronounced fujisan like mount fuji so yeah the alter- alternative reading so yeah so um my biggest issue i guess is that mpb can't just add two teams one in each league because it would just create an imbalance that is is just too great to overcome and you've got you would have uh, seven teams in either league uh and then you would have a situation where I guess if you were like the major leagues and wanted to expand interleague, you could have interleague games going on all season long. That would help with the scheduling problem. Uh, Or if you had eight, if you expanded by two and you had eight teams in one league and six in the other, that's even more imbalanced for me. So that didn't really make sense. But um, like I said, this, this step by MPB expanding and uh, they're going to be tryouts for these teams, these, these new teams that are going to be joining the the farm or the minor leagues, but how are they going to be running? They're going to be part of another team. It really, really wasn't, like I said, it was a brief story that I saw. It didn't really mm. talk about details uh, of how this is going to work and how, how well, let farm me ask, team. Yeah. Let me ask you, how would it do? How would you do it? If, if you were, if you, if you were running the show and you've got, we've got these two teams and you could tell the owners to, this is the way it's going to be. How would you do it? Well, I would set up the teams. I would do, I think what Bobby Valentine said uh, a long time ago, you have these independent teams joining as the minor league teams. And then when a team wants to offer a player a contract, which would be, in my opinion, limited, you can only sign, let's say, through the course of a season because you would have a roster full of, let's say, 
let's just say for argument's sake, 35 to 40 players could be part of these these two teams, uh, could be part of one team. So that's a, a pool that the MPB top teams could draw from and sign them to a contract if they saw this player, if they assume this player would be able to uh, participate or contribute on the first team. So I would just run it as a um, sort of uh, independent league. And if you want to sign some of those players that you have to sign them special contracts. So I would just devise special contracts and special special parameters to sign these players and bring them onto your team. And then if you do, then I would also limit the number of times. uh, for, For instance, you have a number of options that you have in the major leagues. You can't option the guy down to the farm nine times in the season so you've got to keep him on your top team roster for and you know a certain amount of time and you can't keep bringing him back and uh deactivating him and putting him back on the on the top team roster i would set up these limits that's how i would probably think about doing it but i i don't know since you're catching me off guard here i i, I okay there, there's a lot to think about and a lot to consider but yeah essentially i would use them as a, as independent teams and then let these uh, the other the 12 teams sign any of those players if they wanted to and then have them replaced by probably players who are in the bc leagues and other independent leagues around japan yeah and of course i asked you because i had thought about it and i i i my thought was well this is going to be this is going to be a central issue is how the teams are 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 staffed and I mean, the first of of the obvious thing, I think, is they're going to put Shizuoka in the Western League and they'll put Niigata in the Eastern League. So we'll have a instead of a five team league and a seven team league, we'll have an eight and a six, which makes more sense than the current setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, which second, it did say the story I read did say that. Oh, I didn't <laughs> see that, but I suspected that was going to be the case. Yeah. Okay. Now the other thing, what I would what I would do if I was the owner and could tell the, uh, the if I was the man the commissioner and could tell the owners this is the way it's going to be, I would say these teams are going to take part in NPV's draft as equal participants. That's that's another aspect that you have to think about, and and that's necessary, right? Because you've got right. to get talent on these teams. They've yeah. got, and they've got, you know, if if they get the top draft pick, he belongs to them. You know, their contracts. These guys are going to be NPB contracts. There's not going to be minor league con. There's not going to be alternate minor league contracts for players. They can sign developmental players. They can just sign anybody they like. They can trade players to M- NPB teams. Uh, okay. They're gonna, yeah. See, if, and, if you do that, in my opinion, then then this has to be the start of a team that's going to eventually be. I think. It, I think. It, I think eventually it will be because they'll have they have the option essentially of building their talent base or not. But uh, of course, you know, if they've got talent and they're not planning to go anywhere with the team, then they end up selling those players to NPB, which is their. You know, that's the way baseball business works. And that's the way baseball business worked before um, before Branch Rickey ruined it. <laughs> well, now, the other thing that was mentioned in this story, one of the officials said that this is you know really not going to impact Japanese baseball uh, other than to have this expansion of the minor leagues. And it just seems to me that they're just saying nothing to see here. <laughs> well, that's that's absolutely true in the sense that the one thing 
and, and I've become more and more convinced of this, the more, and I'm going to give a speech on this essential or the part of a speech I'm going to be giving probably in the, the wintertime, is that the one thing I've become more and more convinced about is that while Japanese baseball, professional baseball is is in a position to incredibly expand its business and become like an elite, I mean, like the be the best baseball in the world if they really wanted to be, they have no desire to do that. The owners are completely happy with teams that lose money because they got into baseball to advertise their parent companies. And they're getting that, and they don't want to spend any money. They got what they paid for. They don't want to spend a dime on making more money in baseball because they've got tax write-offs and they've got mar- they've got advertising benefits from mm-hmm. their team. So they're going to be the owners are going like, don't bring this change stuff to us. Don't 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 talk about changes. Don't, don't I, talk about costing us money. <laughs> yeah, you know, so so you see, you know, you you really see the one team that wants to make uh, NPB into the world's best major league, and you see another team that wants NPB to be the world's best major league team, but only if it gets to be the number one team, guaranteed. Mm. And then you see a couple of other teams that are sort of like keeping up with the Joneses, like the Cebu Lions and the Nippon Ham Fighters. They're sort of like doing things in that area and the Hiroshima Carp kind of sort of. But uh, most of the owners, and, and I'm talking to you, Chinichi Dragons and Yakult Swallows, basically, and Hanshin Tigers for that matter, they don't want nothing to do with any of that high fangled, let's be a, you know, let's be a... Uh, let's be as good as we can be. You know, you you want to be as good as you can you can be. Go join the U.S. Army. Hashtag <laughs> get your get your push-ups in order. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't, don't don't bring that stuff to our door. We're not hearing it. Yeah. So obviously, Christopher and Sons, there is a lot to talk about on this topic. And since we have had some movement, we'll try to address it again later on. But of course, we'll need you guys to to remind us to talk about it because we we're going to be focused on the playoffs and and the Japan series and all those things. But it's a it's great. You know, it's great for the league. I think it's it's great for the fans of those yep. areas. You talk about Okinawa uh, and Shikoku. I think that's a place where you. There's a lot of expansion or, or area for expansion in the idea that teams would be supported there. I'm, I'm not sure how well. I don't think the market is as um, predictable because we're talking about wide open spaces and not uh, very highly populated areas. And that makes it difficult to get to games. Uh, and that makes it difficult to keep the fan base um enthusiastic about attending games and uh, keep attending yeah there's certainly lots of there's certainly lots of things but again everything has to start with the owners wanting to be better and i think that was the problem with expansion is that the owners have this huge hurdle the amount of money it costs to enter npb and the owners the existing owners basically get to set the ground rules you know if you come in we're going to get this Mm -hmm. and we'll take you know Okay, you give us your firstborn and... And a two, child to be named later. Exactly. 
okay and that's us okay and the giants want a piece of you and they all want a piece of you and everybody wants a piece of you so and of course the thing is because npb isn't in the money-making business teams uh the the existing teams don't really want new teams because they dilute the advertising value that they're getting with their current teams sure and they dilute the talent well, they dilute the talent, yes, but there's there there would be more baseball talent if there was more baseball played. You know, that's that's per, certainly a, a thing. And also, of course, the other big question is, the, of course, the golden the golden answer to that is get rid of the two tier registration system, where some players are registered as draft eligible and everybody else is on a roster limitation. Mm. Mm. And speak, speaking of which, the uh, Nippon Ham Fighters jumped on the foreign, let's sign a foreign amateur train this week and signed a son, uh, 18-year-old Taiwan, hard-throwing Taiwan high school pitcher, Sun Yi Lei. So uh, they've joined the Hawks and Giants in signing uh, overseas amateurs. There you go. There you go. So, yeah. Uh, certainly, yeah. If they draw from uh, different talent pools as well, they they can form a team. So it's, it's sure. exciting. It's 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 definitely exciting. Um, we'll try to keep you updated on how the the progress of these teams goes as they mm-hmm. head toward uh, becoming uh, actual teams. Uh, and I didn't see. I don't remember what the date, what the tryouts were, but they're going to have tryouts and all that stuff. And uh, we'll try to keep you guys updated through the winter when possible. I don't know how many shows we're going to be doing during the winter. We might take a long winter off like we did last week. But anyway, we've got exciting uh, baseball to be played this week. Mm. And like I said, games today when the show drops. So watch those games. And uh, anyone else who has a question, we certainly thank Christopher and his sons from Ireland. Anyone else who has a question, including MP3, send it to us via email to y-a-k-y-u-j-o-h-n at gmail.com you can hit us up on x at twitter.com with the hashtag high heat and you can go to our facebook page and leave us a comment praise criticism or anything else there this is going to be a great week of baseball so enjoy your baseball and see you at those ballparks guys Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBallAllen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag HighHeat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.